Welcome to Bring on the Mess, a show where we have real conversations about how to embrace life's messiness and how we find ways to show up and uncover our true self. I'm Beth Ann Dorman, the CEO at For All Seasons. And I'm Lisa Lee, the Chief Clinical Officer here at For All Seasons. So today we're going to talk with you a little bit about a topic that might be hard for some folks and might bring up some stuff for people. We're going to be talking about grief and especially the grief and loss of young people and how it affects young people's lives. So we're always cognizant that as you're listening and you join us each time that we deliver our podcast, we want to make sure that you know what the topic is ahead of time and just sort of give that information before we get rolling. Right, because like you said, it can impact everyone in different ways and we want to be mindful that you're taking care of yourself during this conversation. So we'd like to talk a little bit about traumatic loss and grief. We, in this community, had a pretty tra- traumatic situation. And I will say this: our community has had lots of traumatic loss situations with some young people. And we thought it'd be really important to talk a little bit about grief overall. And as we're talking about it, this can apply to so many different areas of your life. But I think by talking about grief, for me, I think about just the deep sorrow that we experience when somebody that we care about or love dies. Mm -hmm. And that brings up lots of feelings and thoughts and images, and it's different for everybody. Yeah, and Lisa, as you're talking, and we specifically have mentioned some tragedies that have happened in the community that we're in, but I feel like no matter what news channel you turn on, no matter what conversation you're having there's there's grief and loss happening in lots of different ways in all of our communities and sometimes i was thinking last night when preparing for today that sometimes grief also isn't about the loss of someone in death it might be learning about a really difficult diagnosis that may be a terminal diagnosis it might be that we've lost someone because of a medical condition where like something like Alzheimer's or dementia, where you are also grieving Mm -hmm. the loss of a person who may still be around, but is a different kind of grief and loss. And so I bring that up only because I think if we're really talking through grief and loss, sometimes what triggers us in these conversations might be a complete surprise to us. And so we may be talking with someone whose family member has just recently gotten a terminal diagnosis, there may be a tragedy in the community, and it might hit them differently or hit them harder than had that diagnosis not been in the mix. And so I just think sort of when we talk about life is messy, this is the piece of it that we just have to be mindful that grief can show up in lots of different ways. Well, I really appreciate you bringing that up because there is what you're calling or what you're saying is unanticipated loss versus we know or a planned, Mm -hmm. I don't know if planned is the right word, but planned loss where we know that there's a terminal illness and Mm -hmm. we're beginning to grieve while that person is still here or if there's dementia, we're grieving along the way versus a sudden or immediate, Mm -hmm. which just could be different. And again, everyone in those experiences are going to have their own ways to grieve. And I think that that's the important thing is knowing that no one person grieves the same way and we have to be very respectful of what that looks like for people and in that space there's no timeline there's no perfect way 
to grieve. There's no, here's how you're going to feel today. And in 10 days, here's how it's going to be. In our brains, don't do real well with that. We've talked about this over the last couple of years in our podcast, even through COVID. Our brains aren't programmed to have a lot of unknowns. And so the process can be really stressful and it can feel like it's forever. And the day where I'm going to feel better might feel forever away for some as they're going through the grief process. And then you may encounter someone who bounces back really quickly. And I think sometimes when we are working in our communities and talking about grief, sometimes there's like the, it's the judgment. It's the, well, how come I don't feel as good as that person? Or why is that person smiling today? How can they not be so sad? I'm so sad. So there's a lot of that. We look at what happens in the world around us and in our community around us. And sometimes it leads us to question, are we grieving the right way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about when you say we look at other people, it's hard sometimes because we're trying to compare what they're experiencing versus what we're experiencing. And I would say if there's a nugget that people could hear, this is early on, of course, in this podcast, but if there's a nugget that people could hear, it's to have compassion for yourself and how you're grieving and to really try to walk back the comparison of what's happening for other people because that could cause us to feel guilty or bad or maybe even angry with the other person because we start to feel a little bit judgmental towards them because they're not doing it the right way. And anger is a real thing, mm-hmm. right? I oh. mean, when I think of grief, I think of sadness, I think of tears, I think of people crying. But but there are so many emotions that sort of filter through the process of grief. And so the anger piece could be something that someone really sits in for a while in the grief and it might be triggered by their judgment of someone else or the anger that they're not feeling it the same way and you know that they're not able to say well me too in this Mm -hmm. so I think that that piece becomes important because sometimes we don't think about the anger that comes along with grief especially if it is a situation where it doesn't make sense and we can't make sense of some situations sometimes death happens in ways where it just doesn't make sense and that's not something we are ever going to be able to resolve in our minds so it's about having to really make sense of an un untangible or an unconscionable situation well and i know we've talked about this before is in the absence of information or when we're trying to make sense of a situation like you said that doesn't make sense in those traumatic losses like the whys come up we oftentimes will make up information Mm -hmm. or find a way to make sense of a situation and I think it's really hard for me to sit back and say it just doesn't make sense and be okay with that. Right. Yeah. It, it just right. doesn't like so. That's what we're saying is, is like it doesn't yeah. make sense and like be okay with that. And I guess that's how we have to figure out how then do we get through these stages of grief mm-hmm. because sometimes the best answer is it's just not going to make sense and we have to be settled in that place. And that's one of the hardest things to settle into. And I think especially when we have situations where, especially when we're talking about young people and we're both parents. And so we, from the sort of mama bear perspective, like even if it's not a young child who we know, it impacts our world as parents because people have said throughout the week here in our community, it's a parent's worst nightmare. And that really is that really is something that as a parent you lean into. And sometimes our kids don't know how to tell you 
what they're feeling or sometimes our kids don't know how to walk that conversation and so I think that becomes a really important piece going off of what you just said. Well and thanks for bringing that up because the one thing that we haven't really talked about is how does grief show up and so we did say it could show up as anger, Mm -hmm. it could show up as sadness, it can show up as anxiety, it could show up as you know a behavior in the sense of pulling away and wanting to be isolated could also show up as doing too much to occupy our minds so that we're not thinking about it because the the reality is depending on our relationship with that person it could feel more intense and the the feelings could just be overwhelming Mm -hmm. and i think there's something to be said about how we move through those moments. It might be that you see a young person leaning into exercising or they might be going and, you know, there might, I was in conversation and and a mom said, my house is cleaner than it's ever been. And so (laughs) I know for me, I'm a total task griever. I, as long as I have tasks associated with my grieving process. It's when the tasks stop, you know, when the funeral's done, when the planning is done, that's when the grief hits me the most. But as long as I am being kept busy by all of the things that come along with grieving when it's someone who I'm close to, those tasks keep me more on track. And so how we are moving through that and paying attention to when we might need to say, hey, I think you need to slow down a little bit or take some time, because that can be a way that people sort of numb out from the pain as that process is happening. I want to highlight a word you've said twice now, which is moving through. And that's so important rather than moving around. Mm, mm. And, And let's be clear. I mean, sometimes we do have to move around it because it's just too painful, but the, the goal is really to move through mm-hmm. and everyone's moving through is going to be at a different pace with different skills. And like you said, sometimes we're overdoing things or we're staying task oriented because it's just too much. And I guess the thing that even clinically that I hear, or if I think of my own experiences, it's hard to sit in that pain. Mm-hmm. It's hard for us. And then sometimes it's hard for us to be able to sit with somebody else who's in pain, especially if it's our child or somebody who is a young person who's close to us because it brings up so much even for us. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think the sort of I'm fine, I'm fine works well for (laughs) only so long. But I especially think when, when it becomes hard for us to sit in that grief, that's when we have to really pay attention to what we need and sometimes we forget what we need in those moments. Well, I think I, I want to circle back to something earlier when when you were talking about parents. Last night we had this lovely community event and there was somebody who started speaking and I could just feel like the emotions because as a parent I mm-hmm. could put myself in that situation and I knew I had to compartmentalize a little bit because my task there was to be of support but I wanted to show something very genuine too mm-hmm. and so I knew that I could allow a little bit of expression but again wanted to make sure that we were there to support and I also know that when I learn about these tragedies and again whether it's our community or something outside of our community because believe me there's been many tragedies outside of our area that um, have been heart-wrenching. I squeeze my kids a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, sometimes there's this question of, 
oh my goodness, are my kids safe? And I want to keep them close when the reality is I can't do that because it's not healthy for them. And it is such a tricky balance to manage my own feelings in that as well as projecting honesty because my kids are hearing about these events and so I want to make sure that they're feeling safe. Mm -hmm. But there's also like a reality conversation about, yes, there's some really hard things that happen in our world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's well, a hard balance. It is. And as I'm sitting here and thinking, like, we want to keep our kids safe, so we might lean into, like, are you okay? Are you okay? And right. checking in on them a hundred million times. And safety to our children and safety to our adult brains looks really different. Mm-hmm. And so where we're really concerned about the safety of our kids, our kids might just be in the space of, like, Mom, leave me alone. Like, I'm fine. And so I think there is that really delicate balance of what what is happening is it related to the anxiety and what we as adults have to work through? And is that being then projected in our, our kids? And is it our need to feel safe with our children? Or is it really about my kid is unsafe? And I think it's a super hard yeah, balance. Yeah, no, they're going to stay with me forever right, in my right, little you know, nest. Like, and yeah. I'm not going to let them go. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's yeah. not reality. And You're never allowed to go out. You're <laughs> never allowed to have a driver's license. You can't have any friends beyond this little circle here. I mean, we joke about that stuff. But, I mean, the reality is every parent, and I know some parents are like, I can't wait till my kids are out of the house. But we wouldn't have children in our lives if we didn't want them to be around us all the time. So mine will sign a contract at the age of 18 and they'll never be able to leave. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Because we want to keep them safe. And I appreciate what you say because sometimes safety is letting them know that it's okay to explore the world. Right. And let's do that with our best brains and make good decisions. And certainly there's a lot of teaching moments that come up and I appreciate that. I have an opportunity to talk to my kids about teaching. And some of you might not be parents or might be grandparents or caretakers in some other way. So it's also a good opportunity to be able to talk with kids about these learning opportunities because my kids might not always come to me to be able to share. I'm really struggling. And so I want all the people in my life that my kids can go to, to be prepared to Mm -hmm. have conversations with them. Yeah. And sometimes we have to figure out who those right people are. Like in the grief process, it might be that you really want your kid to come and talk to you and they might go and talk to your mom instead or they might go and talk to your dad instead. And so part of it also is about making sure, you know, I've for a long time sort of talked through the like, who are your five people? And Mm -hmm. if it's not your five, maybe you've got two, maybe you've got one. But really talking with our children sort of preemptively that if something bad were to happen, who are the people that you would go and talk to? Who are your tribe? But also recognizing that I might say, now this would not be the truth because I will talk to you about anything, but you know, I might say, Lisa's the person I'm going to go talk to and I might hit you on a horrible day for you and it might be a total miss and you might just not be in a place to be able to hold space for that conversation. And so if it doesn't work, we can't get upset or angry at that person. We just need to figure out who the right person is because it's sort of like finding a good pair of shoes. Sometimes they don't fit the first time and we might need to shift, but giving not only ourselves as parents sort of the flexibility of who can we go to to hold some of our grief and who can our kids go to and making sure that we know there's no there's no prescription for who it's supposed to be and I always want my kids to come and talk to me but if they choose to talk to somebody else I've got to I've got to be okay with that right and so I'd like to talk a little bit again about this grief 
ever go away because people ask that mm-hmm. uh, whether our kids if it's something that hits them so or if it's something that hits us people might be thinking yes i'm in the midst of it right now will this ever go away and the reality is is it, and i would say this for any hard event in our life the intensity of feelings is going to lessen and maybe we're not going to have as many images or moments of tears as we did initially but but the feelings or the thoughts or the experiences will still be there Mm -hmm. and different moments and time that might hit so at an anniversary of the death or if we see something that reminds us of that person it might bring up feelings or thoughts and all those things are really normal and important for us to know that it's okay to have that experience in that moment and so if one of my kids comes to you or if we're talking and all of a sudden things are starting to feel better and then a couple months down the road something hits them or hits you that's okay Mm -hmm. that's that's Mm -hmm. absolutely normal to remember and I would ask people or invite people to just sit in that experience for a moment because the experience that you have had I would imagine for most people is I have gotten through that hard time Mm -hmm. and there's evidence of that because I had been feeling better and this is a moment Mm -hmm. what I would say is where where it turns to like a traumatic grief and maybe we want to look for a little bit of help is if you know long periods of time there's a struggle or maybe the relationship with that person was very complicated and so it's adding sort of complications to the to how you're thinking about that person and it's bringing up lots of feelings or thoughts and it's just not something that you're feeling like you can manage on your own or you're noticing whether it's your child or a friend that's really a time to be able to say I'm wondering if maybe you need a little extra help Mm -hmm. to sort through these experiences and as you're as you're talking about sort of reaching and saying i wonder if you might need some extra help somebody might not be able to receive that real well right Right. and so i think there's also the understanding that we may have to go back and have that conversation a couple times Mm -hmm. and there are times where people when they're stuck in grief and this is true for me I remember when my grandmother passed away i was really in not a great place and it took my parents a couple times of saying like this is beyond you just being sad but I wasn't in a place where I could hear it right away Mm -hmm. and so it did take a couple conversations so remembering that again just like we're saying there's no path to this there's also no path to being able to connect someone when they need something and we've done this work with human beings for a long time and and all the work that we do I always say that there's no guarantee. The only guarantee in all of this is that it's going to be a roller coaster Mm -hmm. and you're not sure to which hill in turn you're going to be on. And so that's a piece that I just think is a good visual. I'm totally a visual person when I think about the way that we go through our lives. There is no straight line in this. No, I appreciate that. That actually is a really good analogy. And so before we start to wrap up, some of the things that you can do is whomever it is again if it's a teen if it's a a grown-up a friend a family member stay engaged Mm -hmm. that's basically what I hear you saying too is it might not be the first time but do the best that you can to stay engaged invite them to share their feelings and know that maybe initially that's not something that they're going to be able to do and it might take a little time and 
try to stay non-judgmental, which is yeah. really hard, really challenging to do. Try to be non-judgmental about that. And parents might feel a little bit rejected initially if their kids go to somebody else or if they're not sharing. Mm-hmm. But to know that that that's not the intention. The intention right. is they're trying to sort through something really challenging. And I think in that place, you know, when we talk about the non-judgment and the, the really challenging pieces, that can be really hard to do. And I think it's important to acknowledge that that might take us needing to take a step back for a minute in a different kind of way. And so through helping and through checking in, we also have to then be checking ourselves. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's really important. I think the last little tidbit for me would be, you know, and I'm a big proponent of routines in general in life. <laughs> I'm okay with being flexible, but really encourage routines, try to do things that are enjoyable, and just track or notice if things are different for a constant period of time. Mm-hmm. And that's where, again, you can maybe get some help or at least find some resources. But really staying with the routines, trying to figure out different ways. Because I had this client of mine like years and years ago, and I really loved her phrase, which is sometimes we have to create a new normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, as I was hearing you say about, like, to stick with the routines, something that I think is also really important as we're trying to sort of get back to life when we are moving through grief is remembering that you don't have to conquer the world in one day. And, right. and that sometimes a routine might just be getting out of bed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a routine might be making sure that you have a shower. I know for some it might be okay, I need to get dressed. So some of these small little things, it doesn't mean that you have to jump right back into work. And there may be there may be some of you out there who have gone through this, or maybe you're currently going through it, and you get to work, and it's just, you know, it's like, you know what, this is not the day that I can be at work today. And so really being able to check in with ourselves and know that small movements are okay, in this process. And I think the other thing that we absolutely, it just would not be us if we didn't talk about this piece, but connection is so important during this time. And so remembering that you don't have to know what to say to someone if you are a friend who knows that someone has gone through grief or that you yourself are going through it with a group of people. Sometimes we find ourselves in the space of like, I don't know what to say. I don't even know what to say to that family. Like this is unimaginable. And sometimes you don't have to do anything other than say, I'm thinking of you. I'm here. If you're someone who leans into faith, I'm praying for you. It's okay to not have this magical sentence. We say all the time when we work with communities around grief that nothing that we are going to say is going to be the magic pill or the magic script or anything. We're not going to be able to make it feel better in an immediate, but what we can do is create a connection where folks know they're not alone. Because sometimes grief can also be really isolating for families because people are afraid to say, I'm so sorry. And so we as a community have a responsibility to create that connection and be able to know that it's okay that we don't have all the answers. You know, that's our responsibility is to say, it's okay, I don't have the answer, but I can still show up and say, I'm so sorry. Okay, so before we end, Say that one awesome thing that you do with the calendar. I think it's such a lovely... Oh, yeah. I love that. So the piece of grief that I also always pay attention to is 
everybody's super good about showing up in those first six weeks. And, you know, there's meal trains and there's cards and there's flowers and this funeral and there's lots of rituals that our culture wraps around in those first six weeks. It's after the six weeks when the cards stop and the phone calls stop and the checking in stops. And so one of the things that I have sort of adopted for my own world is that I put a a date six months after the death of someone in my life. I put that on the calendar and I send a card and it's not a sympathy card six months later. It's I just want you to know I'm thinking of you and I'm still thinking of your loved one. And it really it's just sort of my way of letting folks still know six months later and here's the thing like let's be real sometimes it's six months and six days it doesn't have to be exactly six months but it's it's just a really I found it very cathartic for myself about as I'm grieving to also be able to remember the person in my space too because sometimes we get busy and we don't think about it and so I just invite folks to think about what that looks like for them and it's just one one tool that I have put into my world. So thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to hear us on such a heavy but important topic. We really look forward to talking with you in a couple of weeks. Have a great week.